This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 299. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Chad Sylvester, for our annual Goals, Dreams, and Hopes for the Season podcast. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. And as you are listening to this, as a good podcast host, I did a bunch of work before I left to hunt in Idaho and got this one, this podcast put together and put out so you guys would have an episode while I'm 
in the mountains of Idaho. So as you're listening to this, I am maybe tagged out, fingers crossed, maybe maybe I'll be tagged out at this point. Um, but if not, I'll be traipsing around the uh, the mountains, trying to locate elk, trying to stick an arrow in elk, and that is what is going on. So we're going to keep this up front really short. We're just going to kind of dive into things today. Before I do that, though, make sure you head to the truthfromthestand.com website and check out the merch tab, check out the swag that we have, pick yourself up a t-shirt, sweatshirt, whatever it is for uh, for hunting camp this season, and then also head to skullbrewcoffee.com and make sure you're picking up your coffee for your travel hunts this year or for hunting camp. We have those pour-over packs, which are killer. I'm using those in Idaho right now as we speak to make sure I got the good juice while we're in the mountains and I got the uh, the caffeine required to do the job. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Have my good buddy, Chad Sylvester on. You know him, you love him. Uh, owner of Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, we, I try to do this podcast every year and it just, so t- it seems like the timing was right. Uh, it mapped out pretty, pretty well to launch this week. Um, I like to do a goals, dreams, and hopes kind of podcast to kind of level set, you know, where we're going to be going, what we're going to be hunting. And then, you know, what our goals are for those trips or those hunts, what our dreams would be and what our, what our hopes would be. And as you can imagine, Chad and I are, are pretty, um, reasonable people, and we're both uh, hunting Idaho this year, and we'll talk. We'll talk about that. And uh, our goals, I think, are relatively reasonable. We're not necessarily guys that are going to shoot for the moon per se. Uh, for both of us, a lot of times, it's just you know having the experience that we um, that we want to have. And filling tags is awesome. Uh, always love doing that. Um, but you know, I think that if you've been doing this long enough, you kind of realize that uh, uh, if you measure your um, not your success, but your um, how good a season was or it's something to that effect. I'm, I'm not finding the right word for that today. Um, but if you look at it through that lens of filled tags is the only way to measure how, how, how good the season was. And you really kind of miss a lot of the things that are kind of in between. So we talk a little bit about that and just kind of level set what we're doing for this year. So we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today we're doing our annual hopes, dreams, goals for this season. And usually at the end of the year, I do a wrap up with my buddy Chad where we talk about all of our failures. This is the hope filled episode (laughs) that we do (laughs) annually where we talk about what we uh, what we hope to achieve or what we hope, you know, happens during during the, uh, the course of this season. So what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Uh, doing good, man. Not too much. Just uh, enjoying the Friday at the office and just getting after it, man. Yeah, I hear you, man. I know Friday couldn't come soon enough this week, man. I just this week was just a rough one. Like this is our busy time of year, or at least for for my department, at least, where I'm just getting crushed. And uh, Friday is uh, was a welcome slate when I woke up this morning, and I started going to jujitsu on Fridays for like a third day. Uh, during the week. So I'm always stoked about that because this is like no training today or no drilling. It's all just like live rolling. So you just kind of get to go in and fight for, for two hours, which is cool. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's how I end my end my weeks now. I basically go in and get my ass kicked for two hours. You know, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a nice it's a nice kind of like uh, period or exclamation point to the end of the uh, to the end of the week whenever you get to go in and do uh, do that. But with yeah. that, we're gonna go ahead and just jump into the straight dope, man. Um, we'll just I, I figured what we would do because we have some similar things going on this year, and then we have some slightly different things going on this year. So. 
Yeah. You and I, so this year, you and I won't be traveling together as it stands right now. Like something might change as the season kind of draws. Maybe we fill tags early somewhere and we end up taking a, a short trip or something like that. But as things stand now, we're going to kind of go our separate ways for this season because you drew Iowa, I drew Kansas. So that's typically like our whitetail hunt, which we're going, we'll be in the same region, you know, but we'll just be in yeah. different places. Right. Um, we're each kind of, I'm doing PA, you're of course, you know, Ohio guy, so you'll be in Ohio, but we're both going to Idaho, not together, but we're both, <laughs> <laughs> we're both going to Idaho. So it's kind of a, a jacked up year. So I figured we would start with Idaho and then just kind yeah. of work our way through. So we'll yeah. start with you, man. What's the, uh, what's your plan for Idaho? I mean, like where, where are you going? Oh, what boy. part of the, what part of the state are you, uh, you headed to and what's your plan? So <clears throat> my tag is valid in a zone in the eastern side of the state okay so uh i'm not going to give any specific mountain ranges or any any anything specific on that unit because it's one of the more sought after units i'll I'll say it's an archery only zone right with a very 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 high success rate okay so like this is one of the tags that you know if a guy just wants to go kill a branch antlered bull not necessarily like you know, uh, trophy class, 300, 350 class bull. I mean, they're there, but mm-hmm. you know, this isn't the zone known for that, but to go get in some action and kill an elk, branch antlered bull, this is a pretty good zone. Hmm. Um, so it's on the Eastern side of the state and really my, it's, it's kind of weird. Like the Idaho thing is, well, you know, you went through the draw process. It's yeah. like first come first serve. There's no points. It's not really over the counter. You can't apply as a group. And I'll be the first to admit, like, I am, I am an elk rookie. Yeah. I am learning. I am, you know, trying to break, progress as an elk hunter. Cause I really do enjoy both the, you know, the physical aspect of it. Also being in mountainous terrain, um, and doing something different in the early season. Like I, yeah. I really do enjoy it, but I'm not very good at it, but I've been fortunate enough as well as you to be invited in this group of, I'm going to call them veteran elk hunters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're East coast guys, but they're, you know, their track record over the last 15 years on, on killing bulls, um, is pretty incredible. Um, so being, you know, the new kid on the block in that group, of course, I'm the only one that draws this dang tag. The guy that's a complete rookie has no idea what the heck is going on is, uh, out there by himself, but I'm going to try to make it happen, man. I'm, I'm going out. Um, I think I'm probably going to, Start traveling somewhere on September 11th, mm-hmm. September 12th, somewhere around that time frame. Okay. And my plan is to stay out there until the season expires. So until the end of the month to fill a tag. And there's not like, there is no, um, you know, minimum antler thing goal there for me. My goal is to go in, get some interactions with bulls. Like, so calling sequences, getting some encounters, basically learning. Right. You know, the, the, the trip I had last year was more of a, uh, hiking, camping, dirt bike riding, um, you know, backcountry exploration trip than it was really, um, uh, a hunting trip just from, you know, the encounters, the sightings, like there, it was pretty minimal. Right. Um, so I'm hoping to flip the script this year and just have a bunch of encounters, get around elk, learn the behavior, learn the different vocalizations and just get some experience under my belt. But at the end of the day, like you have a tag in your pocket, man, you're, you're trying to kill something. You're trying to fill the tag. Right. So what I will say is 
I'm headed out for the last two weeks and I am willing to shoot anything but a spike. Basically. I was just going to so, ask you like what your like, if you had in mind, like what your kind of standard is and it, and you just kind of answered it there. So as long as it's got more than one or got a branch, like it's in trouble. That's it. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So I forgot you were doing this one solo, right? Like, so you, mm-hmm. yeah, this is going to be just solo, solo taco you out there. Is it, are you hiking in? Is it truck? Is it a truck camp or is it a hike in kind of backcountry camp? Like what's there's, there's going to be both. That's one of the things that I learned last year. Like everybody from the East has not everybody. I don't want to lump everybody into, you know, the, the same kind of mentality, but I had the mentality of like, you know, you're going West, you're going into Rockies, you're going into these giant tracks of wilderness areas or public land, BLM, whatever it is, public access. And you think like you're in these remote, remote areas and you have to, hike and carry your gear 10 miles back in and set up camp and stay there for a week because like that's that's what everyone thinks of right and i think a lot of time from what i've learned and read and and talked to other people it's a lot better to stay mobile until you find elk Mm -hmm. and then when you find the elk then you can go and get set up for a couple days and set up base camp and and you know and hunt um so i think you know the approach this year is just to stay mobile i will truck camp basically until I, um, you know, till I find an area that has, has some opportunity in it. And then I'll make a decision if it makes sense to go ahead and hike in and set a spike camp up maybe a mile away or half a mile away from where I think, uh, you know, where the elk are. Right. I'll do that. But until then I, I'm, I'm going to stay mobile. Um, you know, stay close to the vehicle day in, day out type stuff, lots of glass and lots of locating stuff like that. Yeah. The, when I went to Montana that, there a couple of years ago, it was a it was a truck based camp, and we had like wall tents and stuff like that. But where we were at, we were able to tr- kind of drive uh, through the BLM land or BML land, or however the hell you say it, uh, mm-hmm. block management land. I guess I'll say it that way. Um, and it was it was through this like huge pasture ground, like I mean miles, right? And so, but we were, but there was a, a two track because they had taken, they of course they're taking their cattle trucks and, and cattle trailers and stuff back there at times and stuff like that. So we were able to use that to basically navigate, you know, however far back, like 10 miles, 15 miles back through this, this pasture ground. And that's where we ultimately set up camp was back there, you know? And then from there we could walk in wherever we wanted to walk into and stuff like that. And so we had a nice kind of like base camp, you know, this trip for me is a little, is a little bit, um, is a little bit different. So, you know, I drew, or I, you know, won the lottery, however you want to say it, because to your point, there's no points or anything like that. It's just kind of like get in and get in line is in the northern part of um, is in the northern part of Idaho. Uh, and I'll be going with my buddy Wilson, which will be cool. And again, I'm similar to you. I'm, I'm a rookie when it comes comes to this stuff. Wilson's lived out there for a year now and he spent all last season, you know, without a uh, without a firearm or without a bow in his hand and just kind of went out with people and would call. And he's like one of those guys that doesn't matter what it is like he's just really good at calling so he picked up calling like really quick and he was Mm -hmm. actually taking people out and calling for them and stuff like that since he wasn't able to hunt and so he learned a good bit about the area just by kind of doing that and figured out where there was some some elk at now the challenge with this area that we're going to is because it's northern idaho like there's not a lot of glassing you know and so a little different from you to where you know we won't necessarily be able to drive around so much in like uh maybe find a glassing point, drive to a glassing point or something like that. Like we have to kind of get into the timber and like, it's almost like 
whitetail hunting to a degree. You know what I mean? To where it's like you kind of actually physically kind of go on the ground and see and try to find sign and find where the elk are at and then make a decision of as to what you're going to do just because it's just a lot of dark timber in that <clears throat> in that area and not a lot of meadows and, and, and stuff like that that you would think of when you think of Western hunting. So it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a challenge. Um, and so I think our plan to start is we have an area where Wilson knows of um, some elk that are spending some time in right now. We have some cameras out there running. We haven't had but one decent bull on camera. Um, a bunch of cows, um, which is kind of good for the early part of the season. Um, at least our, that's our hope. And uh, so we have a kind of a base camp kind of mapped out where we know where we're going to want to stay. And it's not far from where he's found this one particular bull bedded. Uh, a few different times. So that's kind of our game plan is try to make a move on that guy, assuming that he's still there because Wilson saw him uh, opening weekend of last year or opening week of last year. And then he went in this summer and he's pretty sure it's the same bull because it was the same like bedding area. And he bumped a hammer out of a bedding area. And then there's a group of cows that are maybe, you know, no more than a half mile away from where he's at, which is around where we're planning to camp. Okay. So we're going to be relatively close to where that bull is. So the idea is that we should be able to get up in the morning. And the reason we're camping is because it's not like it's such a far hike that we couldn't walk in in the morning, but the way he accessed it last year and the way he accessed it to kind of scout and check cameras and stuff was how he would typically kind of walk in and you almost have to approach the bedding area from where they're going to, for, to toward the side or the edge where they, where he's found like the beds and stuff like that. And so you're kind of blowing up your spot walking in with that access. So our idea right. is to kind of come around the backside, use this other, it's an old, like, I think it's a, just a super old logging road that's gated and stuff like that. It's a further hike, but we can kind of go around the backside, get up on this ridge and basically set up camp on top of that ridge. And then that bull is bedded down the point on, on the, on the front side of the ridge with the cows off the opposite side. And so that's kind of the plan. That way we basically can get up in the morning, make a quick hike, like opening day, and we can, you know, rip some calls and see if we can just locate, you know, first thing in the morning and then be able to kind of, you know, make a plan from there. So that's kind of our plan. And then if it, you know, if we don't see elk or at least don't hear elk and be able to go after elk within like the first two days, our plan is similar to use just to kind of tear down, get into the truck and start driving and just trying to walk into places and areas that we can glass or areas that we can call into like a couple of drainages and see if we can get one to rip and then, and then make a plan from there. So I think that's our kind of like general plan. My standard is the same as you, man. Like I ain't, I ain't trying to set any records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm just trying to kill like the first legal bull that I, uh, that I see. Um, I don't Absolutely. have a cow. I don't have a cow tag. There's, I don't believe there's cow tags available for non-residents, at least for this unit. Um, cause this area has been an area that in the past that has had a fair amount of wolf activity. And so uh -huh. the numbers historically have been down. So, um, I don't even, I don't even know how many tags, cow tags they even give out for, for residents in that area. Um, and so that's the, that's the plan for that. The one kind of added kicker to it is actually, we're going to have a camera guy on the trip. It's going to, Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's going to film the whole thing. Um, uh, Kobe Owen, actually I'll give him a shout out. Um, he's going to be, uh, going with us to film it. And, uh, Gonna be hopefully we get something good. Hopefully it's just not a hiking film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But uh, no, if if you guys if if you guys have done that much groundwork and already have um you know some elk located on the summer pattern, especially with you guys going in you know right off the rip in the earlier part of the season, you, I mean you guys should you guys should be in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, I want to. I, I just want to at least see some elk. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of the same as you. It's like I'm so new to this. I mean, look, I got a tag in my pocket, like you said. Like I'd love to fill it. Um, but you know, my goal for the trip is, of course, to fill a tag. But <clears throat> I just like, to your point, I just like being out west in the mountains and just doing something different. Um, you know, I love I love whitetail hunting. It's still my favorite. You know, I, I would take it over if someone said I could I could hunt. Kansas or Iowa every year, or I could go out west and hunt every year. I'd probably take Kansas or Iowa. That's just me personally. Like I just, prefer, oh yeah, I just prefer whitetails. Um, but there is just something about being out in that like just huge landscape and seeing critters that you don't, you know, as a Easterner that I don't get to see very often, you know. Um, so yeah, so just part of the goal is just to kind of take it all in and kind of try to just be in the moment and enjoy the you know the seven days that i'll that i'll be able to be there and and live like a nomad man live in a tent and be be dirty and just enjoy it yeah that's it be dirty and enjoy it what um you guys are you guys are gonna have to deal with bears a, a little bit up there right yeah so <clears throat> it's funny you say that because the last camera point we did there was a shit pile of bears on them <laughs> so none, none of the grizzly variety at least on the camera pool um mm -hmm. they were all pretty big ass black bears um, okay but yeah, I mean, there's a fair amount of those in there and it, it is in grizzly country. Um, how many, I don't know. I looked to see like what the population was there and it's not like, right. it's not like you're in Missoula or, right. or something like that or the, uh, or the Yellowstone ecosystem necessarily, you know what I mean? But they're around, you know, and so you just kind of have to be, be cautious and just, you know, there's a, there's a pretty healthy, um, crop of black bears just in the area too so just you know you just need to kind of be careful not that they're they're not you know like grizzlies where they're you know maybe hyper aggressive or whatever but you certainly don't want to startle one you know <laughs> regardless like you don't want to startle either variety of them if you can right. you can help it you know and, and surprise them or whatever and you still have to take the same care of around your camp as far as you know, hang all your shit, you know, 50 yeah. yards plus away in a tree, like all your food and only have the food on you that you're going to take with you in the morning. Yep. You know what I mean? Like go get it and then start your hike or whatever. Don't, and then cook, don't cook at camp. Just cook, you know, wherever your food's at 50 yards away, you know, don't, don't set up camp near running water, like a stream or something like that to where you can't hear and, and stuff like that. So, you know, <clears throat> we'll all be prepared with spray and, and handguns and stuff like that. And the other nice thing is, is, is uh, Kobe who's doing all the filming too. It's not like we're taking a guy who's like, you know, from, you know, uh, Maryland, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's Dropping never been out. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, Kobe's actually from, uh, Montana and, uh, grew up in and around, you know, Grizz country. And I think he lives in Dillon now. And he does a lot of solo hiking, solo camping, solo fly fishing, like by himself, you know? And so, he's a pretty well adept backcountry uh, gentleman. So, um, so it's not like we're taking, it's not like we're having an extra person. that's you know, going to be, uh, um, not know what's happening essentially, you know, so he's very comfortable in this environment. So that's, that's another positive. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's not like, you know, those encounters and, um, circumstances are the, like the odds of stuff happening are so low, but it's just the, uh, I'm going to say like the added nuisance of mm -hmm. all the extra steps to take the precautions, like especially around camp, like you said, because yeah. I think day three, day four, you start to get wore down a little bit. Maybe day five, you start to get a little lackluster. Mm -hmm. You start eating, eating where you sleep or you're brushing your teeth. And yeah. like, it's not, it's not just the food. It's like any kind of foreign odor, like 
it's deodorant, toothpaste, any yeah. of that stuff. It's just they're curious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so all that stuff has to happen away from away from camp. And the other part that I've been kind of working on just like as far as when I do my rucking to train and stuff like that has been, you know, a lot of times when I'm hiking and rucking to train, not so much when I'm whitetail scouting because I don't have weight on me, but you know how it is when you start to put weight on you and you start hiking, like you start looking at your feet. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And it's just a natural habit, right? And so I've been consciously trying to make sure that like I constantly am picking my eyes up while I'm rucking to like get used to like, even though I got weight on me and I'm getting tired, like I got to be scanning. You know what I mean? Because you just have to make sure you're watching what's out in front of you, especially this area, because it's not like, it's not super open. You know, it's it's really thick timber. And so chances are, if you see one, like you're, you're going to probably see them pretty close. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yep. you know, so you just kind of have to keep your eyes peeled and, you know, uh, make sure if you are, if you do have a little glassing spot, if you're glassing something, you know, you just need to make sure you take extra time and pay extra attention to the shadows and stuff like that. Make sure, especially at that time of year when it's still going to be warmer out, like they're going to look for shadows and water and stuff like that. And all the same things that elk will look for where we're going to want to go, you know, and those are the places they're going to want to be because that's where they're going to have shade and where they're going to have cooler temperatures and, and stuff like that. So you just have to be a little bit more mindful, take a little bit more time, glass a little longer, make sure there's nothing that you missed in the shadows that you, that you end up creeping up on or something like that. So, but to yeah. your point, man, it's like, I have a better chance of getting into a car accident, going to the airport than I do having a bad encounter. Right. You know, yeah. so right. all things in, in perspective, but yeah, man, that's the, that's the plan. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we both come back with, uh, with some antlers and some, some elk meat. That would be cool. Man, wouldn't that be something we split up? We split up one year. We both go to the same state by ourselves and both fill tags. That'd be a pretty cool, yeah, pretty cool yeah. deal. So then the next phase of the season, I believe, at least for me, because I don't know how you're splitting up your white, your whitetail stuff, uh-huh. but, you know, would be coming back home and starting like the Pennsylvania, Ohio kind of marathon, if you will. So like, what's your, how's your intel for Ohio this year? Like, are you feeling good? Do you got some prospects? Do you not have any prospects? Like what's the, what's the deal? Well, um, to be honest, I, I'm a little bit be, behind in Ohio. Um, we've been moving and remodeling a house this summer, and I'm I'm really haven't put a ton of effort into Ohio, um, specifically because like we open in October and I have all the way till February. Like it's a super long drawn out season, and my you know priority with the the focus this year is to fill you know the Idaho tag, and then also I drew Iowa. So like those are the two the two kind of priorities for me. So in Ohio, um, inventory wise, I, I don't really have any, I have one giant deer. I have one picture of mm-hmm. no idea where the deer is. And like, and it's not even at this point, like it's not even a, a real thing for me. Like somebody could just Photoshop that and send, send it to my phone. And like, that's the way I'm looking at it because I know <clears throat> if I get fixated on it, then I'll end up spending way too much time, way too many resources on something that is probably not very tangible right. um, in, in, in reality. So I think for Ohio, um, I probably won't even hunt Ohio until I get back from, from Iowa, to be completely honest. Hmm. Um, so that's like probably right now the plan is to hunt firearm season in Ohio. So that would be shotgun the week of, uh, you know, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then probably 
make a trip to Southern Ohio, possibly with a muzzle loader if I still have a tag. And then in, in between, um, you know, just bounce around some public, uh, around home, around the, around the office, you know, in, in between those two firearm seasons. Right. Um, yeah, the goal, I mean, uh, the goal is, to, you know, just to still fill a tag, but there's no set parameters. Like if it's Pope and Young or better in, in Ohio this year, then, um, I'll, I'll, I'll whack one. Right. Um, but nothing, um, no specific, no specific deer of mine, no specific chase. There's nothing, nothing, um, uh, nothing there right. for me r- right now, like on paper. Now, right. as the season progresses, that is pretty likely to change to be honest, <laughs> right. just with the right. amount of cameras that are out and things pop up and, um, uh, you know, that third week of October, if I, if the weather's not right and I don't go to Iowa in October, then I'll, I'll be bouncing around here trying to make something happen. Um, just because you, you know, it's October. So right. Right. You're Octo- it's October in your home and you know, and you're in Ohio, you know, so that, you know, good things can happen. That that's it. So I guess the, the Ohio plane is subject to change once the season rolls around. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be pretty fluid for, for most of 2022 in Ohio. Right. right because yeah. you're going, yeah. Cause you're going to Idaho for the second half of September. So that means you won't get back till around the opener, maybe even a day or two after, you know, Correct. In, in Ohio. And then if you're planning to get out to Iowa, you know, like third ish week, weather, weather permitting, yep. right. Like that basically just leaves you two weeks to get back and get caught up. <laughs> exactly from, from idaho to to pack up and and leave again exactly and i think in october we're just the plan is to to make one trip around you know a cold front that later part of october mm-hmm. and then i kind of have 10 days blocked out uh the first 10 days or so um of november in iowa so if something happens then i have you know that portion of november to come back to ohio too but right the you know it again like the back half of Idaho, as long as it takes. And then the, the coveted Iowa tag is however long it takes. Like, yeah. and if that's, if that's me going back after the second week of November, then so be it. But yeah, right. it's kind of contingent around that. Right. Yeah. My plans for PA is, uh, kind of the same as they always are every year. So the good thing for me is when I get back from Idaho, which I think I get back around the sixth or seventh or something like that. Like, I'll be just like 10 days out from our season, my season opening in the special regs unit. So I can kind of get started at least locally. Now, the bad news is, is like, I've got a bunch of good scouting intel from this past year, a couple places that I'm really stoked about that when I scouted it, I was kind of like, got the spidey senses, you know, where, oh yeah, you know, one spot I found some good sign um, and I hung a camera and I have, so it's this little pocket that I've overlooked for probably two years now. And I just, it just popped out to me on a, on a map the last, this past winter. And it's like a little cedar thicket area. And I was scouting one day and I was, I was near it and I was like, Oh, you know, let me just walk in here and and take a quick look and I'll just like speed through it. And if nothing catches my eye, then, then, you know, whatever, it was worth a quick sachet through. And I got in there and it, it was pretty thick. And I just started seeing like a bunch of rubs. You know what I mean? Like it was like not anything huge, but just like a lot, you know? And I was like, all right. And I just kind of followed them along. And, and it just like this little, this little section just sets up with like a bunch of really thick stuff around it. And this like little cedar thicket in the middle of it with a ton of rubs. And I was like, man, this is a great little kind of 
congregating area that I feel like that's going to just like push deer along this edge the way it's like the way the habitat and like all the brush and briars and stuff kind of set up next to it. And so I ended up hanging a camera on the edge of it and made a mock scrape. And uh, I know on that piece of property or that piece of public in general, it's usually always, at least for me in general, like usually most of the, of the good scrapes I find are under beech trees of some sort. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and so, you know, use the Troy Pottinger method where I found me a beech branch, you know, and, and, hung it on a, uh, a cedar that was on the edge of that little cedar thicket, made a little mock scrape, put a camera. Now it's one of the few cameras that I didn't hang high and I usually hang all of them high and I didn't hang this one high cause I didn't feel like anyone was going to walk back into this area. Cause it's, it's, it's not, it's not a nice walk, you know, and it's really, I think an overlooked spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I went back to check that camera and, uh, the card filled up the day before I went back to check it. And I hung it in April, I think. And I would say 75% of all those, all those videos were videos of deer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there were deer hitting that mock scrape in less than 24 hours after I, after I put it up in April. Dang. So, so there were, there's a couple bucks have hit it, just like some youngsters, some scrubbies, you know what I mean? But more than anything, what I was looking for was like, how much traffic does this spot get? Because I'm really looking for a spot that's going to be something good, like toward the back half of October, really, is what I'm looking for. And I think that that, uh, I think that, that spot is going to be a dynamite little, a little pocket. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious once the shift kind of happens. Like I, I put new uh, batteries in it, changed out the card, um, and I figure I'm just going to let it sit to that normal time frame that, that you like around the 22nd or so of, uh, yeah. of August. I'll probably check it right before I leave for Idaho. And yep. then I should know in general what's going to be around for fall, but I think it's going to be a dynamite like pre-rut and rut little area, like a little cruising spot is what I think it's going to be. Um, so yeah, so I'm pretty stoked about that spot. And there's another spot that I hung a camera that I was pretty, pretty jazzed about. But the bummer is locally is I don't have a target deer at all. <clears throat> Not even like a couple where I'm like, oh, I'd shoot any one of those three, you know, and, and I certainly don't have one. It's just like a no doubter hammer. Um, so I'm really kind of scratching the bottom of the barrel right now, but not too worried about it until we get a little closer and into September. Um, and then the North, I have a couple good deer. I, I sent you some pictures of, of one or two of those. So I know that that's going to be okay. Uh, there's some good talent already that's cropped up and I haven't even done a camera pull. That's basically all from my buddy, Tom checking some of his cams and doing a, a run by of one or two of mine. And so actually, I think tomorrow, I think I'm going to go up because spo- the weather's supposed to be nice and check all those. And I'm, I have no doubt I'll have some talent on those to, uh, to start going after, but that doesn't open until the, the normal statewide opener. So, and the goal really is, is as it always is, man, three and a half years old or older and uh, Pope and young deer. That's really kind of what I'm, what I'm looking for on the, uh, on the old Pennsylvania odometer. Yeah, man, that, uh, that area up north, I mean, when we were up there turkey hunting and slash spring scouting, that's a, that's a cool spot. Uh, you know, it reminds, reminds me of some of the stuff that we, we do in Ohio, big woods, mm-hmm. uh, vast terrain, but like the deer there can get, there's so many places they can hide and so many, um, so many ways that just to get away from pressure because it is so vast that they get, they're able to get some age on them. Yeah. And that's always attractive because you know, they grow giant frames and they're, they're big deer, but they're also, they're also very difficult to kill. But, yeah. um, that's a, that's a story that like, I am excited for you about just to follow along 
even if I don't get there to go to go hunting with you, like just to follow along and, and see your journey and how it progresses. Uh, it's going to be cool to cool to follow along because this is your this is your second full year up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because last year I hunted it two days. I hunted it, I guess, two and a half. Cause I think I hunted it a day and a half in October. Um, and then I hunted it like uh, maybe it was three days, like a day and a half, I think, in in late season, too. And it was more scouting in late season than it was anything and checking some cameras and trying to get some, you know, as you and I both like, it's like I was trying to start to build that long-term data, you know what I mean? Of, of course. Like, you know, what areas popped off, you know, um, during what, you know, what three-day period, you know, where was that at? Where were they traveling from? Like trying to just get my bearings about me. The nice thing is, is like, and we'll jump to like the Kansas stuff and Iowa stuff here in a second, but like, I'm going to go out probably same time frame you and I went out last year. And so that leaves that first week of November most likely for me here that I can actually get up to the, uh, to the North piece. And there's a couple spots that I know from just watching last year when things fired up around certain dates that I have at least a, one dynamite spot that I know that if I actually hunted that three day window, I'd probably have an opportunity at something good. Um, yep. and so, and that was kind of why I was planning that the Kansas trip around, around that. Cause I thought I could maybe go up there if I hadn't made anything happen prior to that, that would be be a good opportunity but you know that camera that we that we hung that was out in that little where all those rubs were at that you really liked that was out that lo, like the logging road out to the far end oh boy um, so it was the not the f- first spot we went to. it was a spot that you really liked that had uh that aaron had a camera but we swapped it out oh yeah yeah, yeah you remember that spot yeah Yep. So where we wanted to ha- have, go back and hang yes. a cell camera. Well, we haven't hung yes. a cell camera in there yet, but if you just go out past that, and Aaron and I walked out past that and scouted further past that whenever he and I went up you know, prior to turkey season, whatever that was, probably March sometime. And it gets really interesting out there, and we saw some good tracks, and we saw some like huge scat and a couple scrapes opened up out there and stuff like that. Well, Tom actually went out past that, and I don't think I've sent you this picture. I have to send it to you. But there is a buck that he got on camera out there that is, he's like a main, I think he's a mainframe eight, but he's got brow tines that are like, and I'm not shitting you, like 10 inches long. Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah, just like stupid. And he's he's a hammer. And uh, and so, I mean, that's, you know, so I know like when I go up to check these, these, these cans, it's like, I'm going to have some good talent on camera because we've done some early pools already. On just some of Tom's stuff in that, and they're not even areas that I would say are prime areas, and we're already kind of pulling, you know, a handful of like really good deer, you know, on on these on these card pools. So I think it'll be good. We'll see, but got to get you up there one day, dude. I know um, that area that you're talking about, man. That was one of the areas with like the first day was a little, you know, we were up there. Uh, I guess it was the first day scouting, not mm-hmm. necessarily turkey hunting. It was like uh, a little hit and miss, but then yeah. that the day that we spent over in that area, I was like, okay, like this, this is awesome. Like this is the stuff that yeah. big woods guys dream of. This is, yeah, it looked good. Yeah. And then what I'm really st- stoked about is that one close to water, because I was talking mm-hmm. to Justin Hollinsworth about that a little bit. And like, after I started thinking about it, I was like, man, that, that's like a little thermal hub right there, which is why all the yep. ac- activity is there. Now it's going to make it hard to hunt because the wind might be you know, a, a little unpredictable, but I think if I can stay close enough to the water, I think I can, I think I can cheat right. it enough. And yep. I may have to climb higher than I'm, than I usually want to climb just to try to cheat the wind a little bit too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I'm pretty stoked, stoked for that. I mean, my goal of goals would be to, 
Well, I'll, we'll, we'll, there's a, I want to do a hopes and dreams at the, at the end here. So we can, oh, kinda, okay. Yeah, okay. What our hopes okay. and dreams are at the end. Um, all right. So now we're going to transition to Kansas and Iowa. So we did Kansas last year. So I'm going to let you have the floor here and go first. Cause this is your first trip to Iowa, right? It is first trip to Iowa. So man. before um, we even start talking about like, like, you know, your plan or anything like that, you know, like, how do you feel about knowing that you're holding a coveted Iowa tag? Well, it fluctuates, it fluctuates day by day, to be honest, because there's days you wake up and you're like, damn, like I have an Iowa tag in my pocket. And you think of, you know, you get on social media and you see all the big deer, you see the trail camera pictures, you see the grip and grins and like everybody's holding giants and you hear all the stories of guys killing Boone and Crockett deer. And it's like, man, I'm going to go out there and kill Boone and Crockett deer. And then <laughs> the next day reality sets in and it's like we've hunted enough you've hunted iowa i've hunted an, enough different states like that's not that's going out there and killing a boon and crocodile is not reality like right. it's possible but the odds of that happening are extremely low yeah it, it, like that's the reality now the, the reality is you can go out there and kill a 140 or 150 or have an encounter with a 140 or 150 and maybe you, you see a big deer or you have an encounter with a big deer but like to go out there and set a goal based on that, like do or die on a 170 or better is not, it's not very tangible. Yeah. Um, I think anyone that goes out and hunts Iowa, Kansas, like any of those known for like hammer deer, you know, if you're, if you set your goal and, and thinking that you're going to go kill a Boone and Crockett deer, like for most guys, there are some guys that we both know who it's like, they could go do it and do it consistently. Yeah. And we, and we know that, you know, but for the normal dude, you know, Probably going to leave disappointed if that's like, if you have your heart set on that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? And it's not one of those places. I like, I'm stoked for you just to go experience it. Cause it's not one of, it's one of those places where if you've never been before, like the shit you're going to see during the time that you're there is like things that you may not see any other place in the whitetail landscape, you right. know? Uh, but anyway, so so, so what do you got for info right now? Like as far as your, as far as your Intel, what's your, what's your process for trying to, to figure out what you're doing? Man, we do have some Intel. We already have a game plan, a fairly good game plan already really put together. So Cameron also drew Cameron at the office also drew, I uh, was oh, that's right. in the yeah. same, uh, same, same unit or same zone. So we're going to be hunting together a little bit in October. So in the spring, we were out there doing some content. So we actually took a couple of days and then scouted a bunch of public, walked a bunch of public, hung some cameras. Uh, so we have some intel. Like we already have boots on the ground. We scouted a bunch. Cameron actually made a second trip this summer um, to, to do some more. So, um, you know, we've, we've seen laid eyes on some of the landscape, not all of it, but a good portion of it. We have enough cameras out there that uh, we've gotten some intel. And it's, you know, a bunch of 140s, a bunch of 150s, and sporadically, there's a few bigger deer. Right. Um, so there's bigger deer there, but there's enough inventory where, like, it shouldn't be a problem to have an encounter with a 140, uh, especially with, you know, I'm fortunate enough to where I can kind of make my own schedule and hunt around the best weather days. And if I have to take off on a Tuesday through a Thursday to go hunt, you know, a two-day cold front, I have the ability to do that where a lot of guys can't. Right. So I'm not necessarily pigeonholed into you know, just seven days in November or, or whatever the case is. So right now the plan is to go out and hunt some of that stuff around the first cold front in the later portion of October. If that's the, 
18th, then it's the 18th. If it's the, you know, the 27th of October, then it's the 27th of October. So wherever that, um, you know, wherever those, those cold fronts land and it, maybe it's two trips, you mm-hmm. know, that's possible. That's possible too. Um, so the plan is to go hunt a bunch of public there, uh, later portion of October with Cameron and I both. Um, so we'll make those couple trips or one trip or however many it is together and then go back in November. So like I have the, the thing with, uh, two young kids, like I, I'll always be home for Halloween and like trick or treat and do that, do that stuff with the kids. Like I won't miss it. Right. So really my November doesn't really start probably till the first or second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a week there to go bounce around public. And then I also have the second week of November, I have access to, um, a, a, a fairly good portion of private if, if I need it. Mm-hmm. So we were, um, you know, through some of the content that we've done, we've done white tail cribs with uh, a few guys there. One of them, uh, Austin, Austin Moss used to run an outfit and he's kind of gotten out of it now because of his kids are starting to become, you know, 13, 14 and, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, wanting to spend more time with his family. He's not outfitting as much as, as, uh, what he used to. But if I need to go hunt some private, I have access to some of his private the second week, the second week of November. So I have seven days there on private. Nice. That's basically untouched. I mean, the guy only takes, I think now like eight bow hunters the whole season or something. Nice. And that's yeah. like four, four per week or something like that. So if I need access to some private, I have that the second week. Um, I don't know too much. I haven't seen, you know, I haven't laid, laid, uh, laid any feet on it or right. scouted any of it, but I've, I've again, have camera Intel and on what's there. And there right. are, there are some bigger deer on the private than the, than there is the public as far as like camera inventory wise so far this year. Right. Um, what, uh, what would your confidence level be between what you've laid boots on the ground on, on that public versus that private, just based on your knowledge? Like, would you feel more confident of filling a tag on that private or would you feel more confident on the public knowing that you have, that you kind of, you have some knowledge, I guess is one way to say it. Yeah. I would say, well, I'll put it this way. Um, my confidence in the, in the public is pretty high. Mm -hmm. I would say like, I have like 75% odds of getting on something. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really think it's, it's that good. But then also because I haven't laid eyes on, um, the private or, you know, walked any of it, you know, the intuition about what's going on is not there, but I have also, I also know Austin and know his track record and know the deer that his boys kill and the deer that he kills. Right. And they're awesome. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it's kind of, I mean, I'm pretty high on both, but I really do think because of my flexibility in the schedule and the opportunities that I have to go, um, you know, hunt the best weather days and, boots on the ground and we have cameras out there that I really feel pretty confident I should be able to kill one on public. Right. Nice. Yeah. So what's your, uh, so what's your goal headed out there? Like what's the, like what's your, you know, what's your, your breaking point, if you will. Man, obviously, it obviously be... fill, a, fill a tag, right. But beyond. Oh that. yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, like if to put a, to put an, an inch metric on it, like I would say like a, a mid one forties deer, I'm not going to pass up. Um, yeah. I had a good friend, uh, not a good friend, but Reese Johnson, a, a, a friend or slash good acquaintance, whatever you want to call it, uh, draw Iowa. I think it was two years ago. And he went in into that tag with like the mentality, like I'm in Iowa. He was in a better unit or a better zone. Like he was in, you know, down in that Southeast corner. Yep. 
and um, he was trying to hold out for, you know, a, a 160 or better. And his only opportunity came at 140 inch eight point the first morning. Yeah. You know, and that was the only opportunity that he had. And then in hindsight, you know, he had uh, maybe not remorse or regret, but maybe I guess a little bit, uh, you know, about uh, about the, the, the total experience of, mm-hmm. of Iowa. Um, and I'm certainly not going in with that attitude. Like if I see, a, a you know, 140 inch eight pointer is a giant eight pointer. Yeah. Like that deer is he's going to get waxed. Yeah. So. It's, um, it, it's just, it's such a cool, I mean, I think that's the best way to, to go about it. Like I, you and I always have a, like, I know we kind of feel the same way. And I was talking to a dude about this last night where I'm like, when I go to a state for the first time, it's really whatever is a representative animal for that state, you know, and gets me excited. Right. Which is usually yeah. like last year when we went to Kansas, for example, like we were both like, man, the first one thirty we see it's getting it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if I'm in Kansas or not. Like I want to hunt one from the ground and do it, you know? And I think the right, I think that's the right attitude that you're taking going to going to Iowa because, you know, you definitely don't want to have that regret. It's not like you just want to fill the tag to fill the tag, like 140 inch deer, you know, mid one forty inch deer is like, that's a a nice buck. You know what I mean? And, and those, those 150 pluses doesn't matter if you're in Iowa or wherever, like they're, they're not like, they don't just jump out in front of you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think like to your point towards the end of the episode, the, 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 the hopes and wishes and the dreams, like everybody has a dream of yeah. going to Iowa and killing a, a giant, like that's there for everybody. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not always a, a measurable, a tangible goal. Either. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can certainly see them. It's like when I was there, you know, I saw, I mean, John had this deer on camera or one of his cameras on that piece of public. And he was just stupid big. And I ended up seeing him. He's like a hundred and like, I mean, he was, he was over 150 inches as an eight point. Like, I don't know exactly what he was. And that was like, John showed me the picture and John was like, this deer is, you know, over 150, whatever he is as, as an eight point. And I actually saw him and I was, and it was just, it was just dumb seeing a deer that big. And then I ended up bumping that one deer out of that draw that was like, a gargantuan like the biggest freaking deer i've ever seen you know so you definitely get an opportunity to 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 see them but it's you know it's a still a smart it's still a cagey animal man because they still got to get some age on them to get to that size dude so you're not exactly it's not a two and a half year old that's just gonna like oh hey who's what's that over there that i smell you know what i mean it's like <laughs> you know it's like it's not gonna just lay down and let you kill it like it's a hard animal to kill still whenever they get to that age regardless of where you're hunting them you know so but so I think my goal, man, or my plan is, you know, headed back to Kansas. I drew the same unit uh, or units that you and I drew last year. Yep. So, you know, I think going into this year, um, I got a whole lot more intel and a much better game plan than I think you and I had when we went out there last year. You know, oh, yeah. you had some boots on the ground when you were turkey hunting. We had some cameras out there. I mean, you ended up killing that hammer in a place you had scouted, you had thrown away because it had so much human sign. You know what I mean? Yep. But, you know, it was still, I mean, you had seen good deer the day before, I think it was. And that's kind of what sent you back there. But it wasn't like, wasn't like we walked into that hunt going, you going, I'm going to kill a deer in that spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was, right. it was a lot of trying to figure it out. And by the end of the trip, you know, we finally kind of found an area that we were seeing numbers of deer, which we weren't really seeing on that trip in general. And we were seeing good caliber deer pretty consistently, like pretty much every day that we were in that one general area. And so 
my plan is to use what we learned last year and I have probably like a much more targeted approach. And so I'm going to go back to the place that I ended, uh, Mm -hmm. where we, where we saw that, you know, 160 that, that we went running after like crazy men through the woods. Um, and then where I had that encounter on like the next to last day. Uh, so I think I'm going to start there. And I think my game plan is really going to be, I think when I first get there, cause that pl- spot has a good glassing area is just to kind of glass the first day, yep. you know, and unless I see something I can like quickly make a move on then I will, but I think I'm just going to kind of see what's, what's going on, like what the activity is, because I know that that area will pop off probably like it did the days that we were there. You know what I mean? And if I just hold out and wait till those handful of days, I'll probably be in the money no matter where I'm at in that little section, you know? Yep. And so I, what I don't want to do is get there and kind of bum rush in because it was good last year and burn up spots unnecessarily. Cause it's the weird thing about Kansas. Like you get into these spots and it, it hunts kind of small in a lot of areas because you only have, but so many setups or whatever. Um, and so I don't want to burn it out, but I definitely plan to tri- to make a trip to where you killed your deer and make a, and, 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 and make a hunt in that general area too, because there's good deer that were in there. So long as there's not just a pile of people in there, right? Um, which, you know, could, could be the case, but you know, I figured like that area, you saw a couple other good deer that were in there. It's a cool little spot. I have a, I imagine it probably holds like one to two good deer there every year, just in general would be my guess. Um, and so that, that I think is my game plan, man. You know, I don't have, I'm probably not going to spend a whole lot of time in some, in the other places that we kind of scouted and spent time in where we kind of tried to stalk that, that buck, you know, where we glassed him and bedded him and tried to stalk him. I'm probably not going to mess with too much of that. I think I'm just going to kind of focus a lot on those two kind of areas, like the, where I, you know, had some decent encounters and where you ended up killing your deer, I think is, is my game plan. That's exactly what I would do. I mean, what we experienced last year, I mean, if you did anything any different, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be crazy. Right. Um, you know, that, that's exactly, exactly what I would do. The interesting thing to see this year is just kind of noting what the, what the, like what fields were in Milo yes. and corn and, um, you know, the alfalfa stuff, just to know like what the crop rotations are and how that may or may not affect deer, because that was the one thing like towards the end of the trip that, I, I think finally kind of d- dawned on us. Like when we were around the big ag, they were deer there, but you couldn't do anything with them. Yeah. I mean, you got on those giant, I mean, you're hunting sections like, so 640 acres, you know, a square mile and you get in these giant ag, ag fields. And a lot of times they're Milo or, or corn. And it's like, you can't, it's really hard to do anything with them. And then we got around those areas where there's less crops, man, there's not a whole lot of cover. Yeah. Um, it would seem like we had a lot more success that way. Yeah. And that's, and you hit the nail on the head. Cause I've been kind of thinking of that. Like, that's the only thing that will change my plan when I get there is that if I get there, cause the nice thing was that last place we were at, like most everything that was reasonably close was, was pulled at that point. Yeah. Yep. And, and so all the activity we were seeing up on that Ridge you know, and into those draws and they had to go into those draws or that, or that bottom. Cause that was really the only place to cover. I mean, they could hang out in the CRP, but they were, they were bumping does and running does and shit. Um, and so that's the only thing in my mind that will, that will change my plan is if I get out there and it's just like the place is covered up with crops, even still, right. I'd probably give it, I'd still give it the old college try. Uh, oh, yeah. only because yeah. like I, there's that farm that's down there that I know is like they're, they're managing. And so, you know, that's at the yep. end of that piece and stuff like that. So it's just, 
and as I started looking at it on the map too, like there's other spots I want to venture. So when we when we hiked up that little bluff or whatever it was back to that field that was back there when we when we were trying to get back on that uh, first deer that we that we had the encounter with, like there that actually jogs to the left and actually goes to the top of that draw that was lined with all those I think it was cedars and bullshit that was in there. Yeah. Um, yep. And so I thought about I thought that might be a cool setup or you know a potential setup back in there as well. And so I might do a little exploring back in there and see what's, see what's shaking. But yeah. my goal, my goal for that hunt is, you know, kind of the same as it was last year. My standards might be just a touch higher only because I know like what is in and around that, those two spots that we had spent time in. And so, you know, look, it'll be the first deer I see that gets me excited, whether it's 130 inches or 140 some inches remains to be seen. But, um, knowing that there are bigger deer there and, and we have laid eyes on them, I would, I may hold out just a little bit, but we both know that that could change whenever one steps in front of you. So, <laughs> you know, so as and, I sit, yeah, as I sit here today, academically, I'll say, yeah, I'm, you know, I know that there's forties, fifties and more in that area. We've seen them. So that's, that's what I want to hold out for. But, you know, I end up snort, we use 130 inch deer in like, be hard pressed not to sling sling an MMT at him. <laughs> just yeah, just <absolutely>. saying. <laughs> well, the cool thing about that spot, even if the, you know, just thinking about that, even if you know most of those crops are still up, the deer are still going to be there. Mm-hmm. They just more than likely are going to be like less visible, I guess, so a little harder to see. Yeah, and like if like in my mind, and maybe you've thought about this too, but buzzing through there that first day. And if that stuff is still up, like it may just pay to throw a couple cameras up there, mm-hmm. um, just to see what's down and using those bottoms, even if it's, um, you know, nighttime activity or, or whatever the case is, because I think if the crops are still on, it will be a little bit harder to, to, to glass. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying you're not going to see anything, but you're just, you know, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? There's going to be a little, a little less visible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the one saving grace of that spot is that you know, when we were, when we were out there, the one thing that you didn't see a lot of that you would think of, uh, as an Eastern or Midwestern, you know, or Eastern East part of the Midwest hunter is that when we were in those kind of crick bottoms and draws and stuff like that, like there wasn't necessarily always like a lot of really great bedding cover there. Like a lot, most of the bedding cover was like CRP and Mm -hmm. in the crop fields. Like when you got into those crick bottoms, like they were pretty open. You know, yep. it wasn't like, it wasn't like you would think in PA where you're like, or Ohio, where you're getting close to like a stream or something like that. And all of a sudden it just gets brushy as hell because it's, because it's got water and you get that diversity of habitat and stuff like that. Like that doesn't really happen there very often. And so the one saving grace that one piece has is even if there is crops, that bottom is so freaking thick that it actually still provides like really good bedding cover. So yeah. like, even if they are spending time in the crops and stuff like that, I still feel like they would bed or they would want to bed in that bottom at, at some point. So, yeah. um, especially if they're plucking does out and pushing them, pushing yeah. them to isolate them. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they're going to take. I mean, it's clear, like we saw so many run into that cedar thicket, that draw, you know, that cedar draw where it's like, that's, I mean, I have to imagine that's happens year over. Like it's oh, just every absolutely. single one that we saw did that. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. it, it has to be the case. And then when you get into that bottom, the other side of that uh, cedar thicket or the cedar draw is pretty thick because I was actually in that spot and could see like up into it. And it's pretty gnarly. So, um, 
but yeah, that would probably be that would definitely be one of the places that I would I would start because it just kind of sets up really nice, almost like a little thermal hub right there because it just that where I entered and kind of how I got in there and that cedar draw kind of dumping into that bottom, like it makes sense why all the sign and stuff that was laid down was laid down there. Um, so yeah, that should be a good spot. But so the hopes and dreams for this year, man, we'll pivot. We'll pivot to that now. So what is your hope for this season? And what is your dream season look like? Well, the, so the hope would be more, more realistic and the dream is like, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the hope there is more aligned with, I guess my, my goals to fill the Idaho tag and, you know, to go out to, to go out to Iowa and kill 140 inch whitetail. Um, that would be the hope. And then like whatever happens in in Ohio happens, like it kind of is what it is. And if it doesn't happen, then it's, you know, lack of preparation on on my behalf and that's that's it right but the dreams man the dreams that's what that's what gets you excited as a as a freaking whitetail hunter yeah. as a bow hunter in in general like that's what keeps you going when you know when uh when you're not filling tags you know um so i would have to say man to kill to go out to idaho uh kind of solo and to kill like a 280 inch bull, which isn't big. Like that's like, let me clarify like the two, 280 sound. I mean, it's a big bull, but it's not like, it's not, it's not giant. Right. You right. know, but to go out and kill a 280 inch bull at close distance with that thing screaming its head off, like three miles, four miles from the truck where I have to pack it that far. That is the dream for Idaho. Like to go mm-hmm. through that experience, both like, on the harvest and then also the suffering to get the damn thing out back yeah. to the truck. Like I want to experience both ends of that. Yeah. Um, and then man, to kill, to kill another Boone and Crocodile out of state, like to go to Iowa and kill a Boone and Crocodile. Um, and that would just be like, that would be off the charts. Yeah. Completely off the charts. Yeah. And then what about, what about dream for Ohio? Do you have a dream for Ohio? <laughs> i have i haven't even fell asleep to have a dream in ohio yet finish your house <laughs> yeah get uh, yeah get the get moved into that dang house before uh before september 11th that's the that's the dream for ohio <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome i think my hope is probably pretty well in alignment with yours like for idaho it's it's really just i want to have an awesome experience and i want to and, and i'd love to kill any bull that's kind of like the, the hope, you know, um, and just, you know, take and, and just take it all in, you know, that, that would be, you know, I would be more than happy with that. and would come home a very, a very happy man just to have elk meat and have that experience of, of killing my first bull, you know, that would be awesome for Pennsylvania. My hope is kill a three and a half year old deer on public land or, you know, better than a Pope and young, like whatever it happens to be, you know, um, that would be, you know, I guess my, my hope for, um, for, for PA and Kansas would be that I have, uh, similar encounters that I had last year on that piece, because I feel like with an, with a year of experience there and a year of experience of, of exclusively being on on the ground for that whole trip, I feel like I wouldn't make the same mistakes that I made last year that, that cost me, you know, especially on that last year that I had the encounter with that next to last day. Cause that was just, I got hung out to dry and it was, 
a rookie mistake and I didn't really know where I needed to set up until I got a little bit of gray light. And by the time I figured it out, like I was already in deer and, and then that was really what kind of cost me. Cause if I would have got to where I want, where I wanted to get to that deer would have been dead the first time that he, the first right. time he entered, you know? Um, and so my hope is just to have the same type of encounters or experiences that I had last year in that spot, because I think this year I could, I could capitalize on it. I think my dream would be for Idaho, I don't have like a number of like, you know, 280 or 300 or whatever bull. Like I would like to kill a good representative bull would be, well, no, let me, let me take that back. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my hope, my dream would be to kill that bull that Wilson has seen because like, you know, Wilson's seen him twice and Wilson's like bound and determined to like have me kill a bull like he is like actually stressed out over it <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like i want you to kill a bull so bad you know and he's like <laughs> and uh and so my dream would be to kill that one because he is wilson's like he's no joke dude he's like full-on you know big big brows or fronts or whatever the hell they call them on bulls he's like and pretty giant whale tails on him so he's a representative like dark timber bull for northern idaho like those ones that stay lost for a while and just and get big you know um and so i would love i would it would be a dream to kill that one and then you know wilson's going to be with me and we're filming it so that would be awesome but then he's got a couple buddies too that like he just has a good group of guys that they've already kind of said like hey you guys get something down like we want to be the first phone call we're coming in to help pack out and so we That's have a cool. whole crew of guys that want to come in and just kind of help pack out. They're like, we don't care what time it is, morning, evening, like call us. We will be there and we will hike in wherever it's at and, and help you guys get that bull out. Because apparently there's a thing they do in Idaho that Wilson was telling me about, kind of like what they do in the Midwest. And like at Casey's, you kill a, kill a 180-inch deer in Iowa, you drive to Casey's with your tailgate down, you know, and let it hang out. They do the same thing in Iowa, or in Idaho where there's like a, a diner Wilson was talking about where you kill a bull, people go there and, you know, and let the rack hang out the back of the truck and you just stand there and hang out all night and let people drive by and see it and pull in and they come talk to you and they want to hear the story of how they got, how the, how the bull got killed. That's cool. Yeah. And I was like, and I want to do that. I was like, I want the colloquial kind of like real deal, like cultural experience of the whole thing. So that would be my dream for Idaho. For Pennsylvania, it would be to kill one of the one of the big deer that I've had on camera either this summer or last year that I know is still alive in, in the North piece, either that or the freaky buck that I had on camera here last year that I chased last year that I, that I'm not sure is still alive locally. One of those two things that would be my, my dream for, for Pennsylvania. Cause either way, any of those deer would be something to write home about for a Pennsylvania public land bow hunter. You know? Oh, hell yeah. Um, so that's kind of my dream for, for PA. My dream for Kansas is to uh like I want to go out and I want to Sylvester it, dude. That's what I want to do. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it now. I'm going to pull a Sylvester. I'm going to just go out of state and I'm going to shoot a giant at 5 yards on the ground. That's what's happening, you know. Um no, but that would be my dream would be to kill a a giant, you know, in Kansas on the ground, you know, in kind of open country. To a, to a degree, you know, like where it's me in a ghillie jacket in a CRP field, you know, where I don't have a lot of cover and I'm having to blend in and I get the opportunity, you know, maybe I'll rattle him in, maybe he responds to the decoy or whatever, but that is my, my dream for, for Kansas. And then, um, in, in 
part of that is to maybe get it on film because my brother-in-law actually since i'm going on that trip solo he uh he might actually take that time off and actually go with me and just film the whole thing dang man that's gonna be that'll be cool yeah so um he hasn't taken a vacation in a long time he has a small business and uh he you know we were talking last night and he's like hey he's like he's mentioned it in the past and he as we were talking last night he's like hey i'm serious he's like i won't i'm do some time off i haven't had any time off in a long time he's like i want to take that week whatever it is he's like i just want to go out there with you and i just want to film he's like so long as it's not going to mess you up he's like if you think it's going to screw you up then i don't want to go he's like but if 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 i can do it he's like i want to go along and just film the whole trip so that'd be that'd be freaking baller yeah so that might that might happen we'll we'll see if that if that pans out or not but yeah man those are my uh those are my hopes and dreams buddy i think uh we both have really cool seasons coming up man yeah dude it's it's another exciting year it's like there's always something exciting but it like i guess um you know the elk thing both of us doing that kind of in the same state but like with two two different uh two different units kind of on our you know different paths i guess that's going to be cool to to watch play out and then like you can't do any better than going you know drawing kansas and drawing iowa like you know it's, yeah it's it's the, the coolest thing in the world yeah yeah exactly and then next year we will link back up for our whitetail excursions that's it and figure out what we're going to do um what we're going to do from from there what the next state we try to conquer is but that's it man yeah, man. So uh, before I let you go, dude, let people know what they should be checking out with uh, with Exodus. What what's new? What's shaking there? What people should be aware of? What they should be watching? What they should be listening to? What they should be products they should be uh, interested in? Yeah, man. Um, we released uh, an arrow line, which I know that everyone listening to the show knows about, but we released that about a month or so ago, and um, we've actually just about sold out of. We ordered what we thought was a year of inventory because everyone knows us kind of as a camera company venturing into this arrow thing. There was a little, not necessarily uncertainty, mm-hmm. but we, we felt like there would be some, a little bit of a kickback, you mm-hmm. know, like people saying like, I'll stay in your lane. Like you're a camera company. Why are you, why are you doing this or doing that? And it's been like the total opposite. So we actually had to reorder two weeks ago uh, because what we thought we, the inventory that we, that we purchased that we thought would last us the year lasted us about six weeks. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's been, yeah, we were a little off on that. A little off um, on the forecast. Well, that's a good, that's a good, I mean, it's not good, it's a good way to be off, but it's, 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 there's worse problems to have. So, yeah, well, fortunately the, the supply chain is vertical enough where, you, you know, we have a lot more control over some of this stuff. So, um, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't really be a, a problem. That stuff will be in here, uh, in another, another couple of weeks, but, right. um, yeah, the aero stuff's going great. A lot of, a ton of positive feedback. Uh, people are really appreciating the, the, just the craftsmanship and the, and the thoroughness on the builds mm-hmm. that, you know, that we're going through the consistency that they're getting, uh, on AeroFlight. So be sure to check that stuff out. The Exodus NMT, that's a 246 shaft that we launched. Um, right now just started working on some 204 stuff and some other new products, new cameras, man, we, like the, the pipeline right now is deep with, uh, stuff that needs finished up. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately that falls mostly falls on, on, on my plate, which is pretty overloaded at the moment. So I need to get some of that stuff wrapped up before, uh, before that September 11th, that magic date yeah, come rolling around, but a lot of stuff in the pipeline, man. And, um, you know, you could follow along anywhere on the internet, just Exodus outdoor gear, um, you know, social TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, YouTube, you know, you name it, you'll find us, you'll find it there. Yep. Awesome, man. Yeah. I've been, I've been flinging the arrows and, uh, and loving them. So yeah. Awesome build the people. There's a reason why, uh, you had short inventory. It's cause, uh, they're dope, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So cool brother. Well, I will let you get going, man. I'm going to actually, for people listening at home, Chad and I actually jammed this in, uh, during the middle of the day on a Friday. So I might've played a little hooky at work. So I could do a, do a little deer hunting work on the, on the side. So shh, don't tell anybody, but, uh, brother, I appreciate you coming on dude. And, uh, I know we'll be in touch soon, but, uh, good luck this season. I'm looking forward to watching everything that goes down with all the hunts you have going on and, uh, and looking forward to both of us celebrating together, maybe at Harrisburg or maybe before all the, uh, all the adventures that we have this fall, man. So, uh, so good luck, be safe and, uh, good luck on the, uh, the remodel. Yeah, man. Same goes to you. I think it's going to be cool. You know, even though like not being there in person, but like just, I know like the daily or nightly evening, early morning text messages, like back and forth, back and forth is going to be, I'm going to be just as excited as I would, you know, yeah, be like staying in the trailer, man. Yeah. Which exactly. I, I'm going to miss. Well, I haven't, I didn't bring that up, but I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of taking her out for the old uh, maiden voyage of the season and knock the dust off her to uh, go check some cameras. But I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to wait, uh, wait on that, you know, gas is expensive and pulling that thing ain't cheap. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, brother, man, I'll let you get going, dude. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, buddy. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.